Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your host for this episode of the show, and the Chief Lounge Lizard. They make us cry, they make us laugh, they make us do all kinds of strange things. They are computer games. And today we're going to celebrate the little moments that make everything worthwhile. So it kind of sounds like uh, the intro to a Martha Stewart show or something, but but uh, we've been doing a lot of um, we've been covering here in the lounge. We've been covering some heavy topics lately, dissecting the news from E3 and and debating the merits of 3D gaming and social network gaming and things like that. So today I just kind of wanted to get back to the roots of why we do this because we all love gaming, and I thought it would be fun to bring in some gamers of different stripes and talk to them about gaming moments. These don't have to be huge things, but just things that made us really appreciate the fact that we're gamers. I'm sure everybody uh, has those, all you listeners, and if you would like to uh, participate in this show or um, a future show, because this is a certainly a topic that we could do multiple times, um, please send us an email at ginlounge at gameindustry.com and let us know what made you really thankful that you're a gamer. So the three gamers I have with me today, we have, and again, they're very vastly different gamers. We have Greg Crow. Greg Crow is our features editor at Gin and also our puzzle reviewer. He looks at a lot of those cerebral type of games. So, uh, Greg, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you you have to say welcome to the lounge today well thank you very much john uh we also have james maddox james maddox is uh sort of new to the console side but has been a pc gamer for a long time um and he uh recently got a playstation 3 and also is now uh one of our top wii reviewers so uh so he's kind of getting all kinds of uh things from the console market james welcome to the lounge today Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, excellent. Always good to have you along. And we also have our founding publisher, Nate Woolley, and resident old guy to tell us what gaming was like in the 70s. <laughs> I, I might point out that Greg is a year and a half older than me. Uh, yeah, but I don't act it. <laughs> Some, somebody has to be the guy on board who understands accounting. Exactly. I mean, I'm glad it's not me because I thankful you're here every day. <laughs> Greg, Greg and I are both in our 40s, folks. Yes. And I'm going to riff on things like Pac-Man, whereas James is going to be on, well, uh, what came out last week? <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, probably. Hey. Um, yeah. I'll be honest, I don't even know what Red Dead Redemption is, but the hype has made <laughs> aware of its existence. You know After what I that, mean? We, we, yeah. we shake our heads in sadness for you. <laughs> It is, but you like, but you like the paychecks. <laughs> uh, Red Dead Redemption is probably one of the, it's certainly one of the greatest games that was created this year, and the, you know people are already talking all time great, so it's pretty cool. If, if if the buzz has penetrated to me in my ivory tower, it's getting a lot of buzz. <laughs> right. Well, I was I was just in Chicago, and they had like huge, you know, billboards and stuff of it up there. So they're they're definitely making a play to get it out to the to the masses. Oh yeah, folks. folks I I am really unplugged from a lot of things. Prior to this, we were talking, and somebody mentioned that '70s show, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's just a name to me. I've never seen an episode of it. Oh jeez. Wow. They made a lot of those, you know. Uh, so I got these so things I'm... called TV shows. <laughs> That's not true. I have Star Trek on DVD. 
Uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. Don't gather the family around the old radio set and listen to F- <laughs> FDR give his fireside chats anymore. <laughs> NPR, sadly, NPR. Well, uh, yeah. I wanted to start the show with with what what I meant by a gaming moment, and uh, I thought I was going back in time, but apparently I'm not going back that far. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was playing a game called Stronghold last night, which was a um, it's a castle building game. You, you build castles and then you try to defend them or you try to knock down other people's castles. Perfect. It's a great game. Um, it's very, it's kind of old. It's like eight years old. And I was wondering about uh, trying to find my copy of the game and then I realized it was on Steam. So I downloaded it and I was playing it. I was having a great time. It was a very classic game. I was having fun building my castle and Put shooting, having my archers shoot the wolves outside the walls and things like that. And uh, it was getting late. It was about 2 in the morning. And I was like, ah, do I want to play another game? I'm kind of tired. Maybe not. But I started to set the game up, and I went to the menu screen to set up a combat game. And the, the game comes on and says to me, my lord, it's getting very late. <laughs> Don't you, wouldn't you rather go to bed and get some sleep? <laughs> and I remembered that the game did that when it got late. It warns you. And then also, if you, if you play it for an extended period of time, it says stuff like, you should really get a snack. It's not good to go this long without food, my lord. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was really happy with that. I was like, you know, that that's kind of a cute thing that I haven't seen before or since. And it was just kind of a moment that sort of made me happy to to be playing a game. So there's, there's, I've started the show. So is is isn't the proper response to that to reset your computer's clock to like noon? <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> It did cross my mind, but no, my my response, which was probably the proper response, was to go to bed. <laughs> so, all right, uh, Greg, Greg, what about you? What's a what's a moment in gaming history that uh, you you uh, have had that maybe our uh, our listeners can identify with as well? Well, I'm going to start with a relatively recent one. Um, people probably know that uh, many of us here at the um, Gin Lounge are uh, uh, Lotro players. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are WoW players, you know, but, you know, uh, there's a core group of Lotro players, and we're on uh, Lord of the Rings Online. And when when I was playing, you know, when I first started playing, I, I you know, the, I loved it, you know, because it was, you know, brought in the Lord of the Rings world. But when I first ran it, now you're thinking I'm going to say Gandalf, <laughs> but it, you're wrong. When I first ran into Radagast the Brown, who is mentioned twice in all of three Lord of the Rings books, two sentences in Lord of the Rings books, and they made a whole person out of him. <laughs> and, and and it just occurred to me, you know, they have all of this Lord of the Rings, you know, content that they can draw from, and, and we can pretty much see anything that's ever been written in Lord of the Rings. It, it, it just really wowed me. I, I'm, I'm really amazed, and I, I can't wait to see what, you know, what, what we're what we're going to be up against next? Yeah, I I, I remember Radagast the Brown because uh, I thought he was pretty cool too because he was the wizard that could talk to animals and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, was, and they got that all from two sentences of, of reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's on screen for like thirty seconds where he meets them walking along and says, "Here's your damn message from this guy." 
I got things to <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> he has kind of the same personality in the game, as I remember. He kind of brushes you <laughs> off a bit. <laughs> so, but very cool. He's got things to do. Very cool. Um, all right, James. James, what about you? What's a what's a gaming moment that made you thankful that you were a gamer? You know, I I'll have to go with the recent one. Uh, there was a there was a time when I had a little bit of less of faith in the video gaming. Uh, medium, but um, no, I, say, I know. Right? Say it's not true. <laughs> so, uh, I I just on a whim. This was after it had come out, and I had I had come to the party late, but I picked up uh, the orange box and started playing Portal. Oh yeah, and the 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 degree of amazing that came out of that game. Uh, it just, it made me happy, you know, for, I kept playing it and I tried all the challenges and just, it made me, you know, very, very happy that I had, I had the means to, you know, experience that. Yeah, Portal is one of those games where on the surface it doesn't sound like much, but I mean, yeah. what an amazing game. I mean, just the, the, Greg, you should probably try to play Portal sometime because that is, uh, that's, I mean, at its heart, it's a puzzle game, really. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's it's absolutely a puzzle game, and there's cake at the end. <laughs> oh, how could I refuse? <laughs> I'll put it on my list right now. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, Portal is uh, Portal is. You know, it's funny because Portal came out, you know, with with all the new Half Life stuff, and yeah. I think Portal's probably more popular than than the new Half Life stuff. <laughs> so yeah, wow. I, I would guarantee it because I mean, the the thing is that they they put it on there just as an add on. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it wasn't really going to be taken as a very serious title but whatever they did it clicked and everything works out wonderful well and what was one of the big news items from e3 was the fact that portal was coming to the playstation 3 (laughs) so amazing stuff all right nate what what about you uh tell us about the time you met mr pac-man for the first time and fell in love (laughs) it's not so much fell in love i mean you're you're talking about Games that made you, you know, that made you happy you were a gamer. I, I want to focus on things that made me, oh my god, I'm a gamer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, now close your eyes, take yourself back to when I was 13. <laughs> Sorry, no sound Thank effects. <laughs> I was at the Horseshoe Pier in Redondo Beach, and underneath it, they had put an arcade, because arcades had popped up everywhere. This is 80 or 81, I forget which one. And I was playing, like, Space Invaders or something, because there's only, like, five video games in the world or something at that point. And uh, there was this group of people gathered around this thing, and this guy was trying to play Pac-Man. I'd never heard of it. It's the first time I ever saw the box. Shut up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, uh, go, and, go. And uh, the guy said, I don't get this, and walked away. And I got to play, like, the last two lives, and I lasted, you know, like, 30 seconds or something. But I'm like... This is, I mean, right then at 13, I said, this is changing everything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's, you know, a novelty hit record and Pac-Man is at the Rose Bowl and <laughs> wham. It's one of those moments that changed everything that would come later. Yeah. It's funny that like a little half yellow circle became like a person and got a personality and a TV show. And he was on my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah girlfriend. He was on my birthday cake. I mean, <laughs> he was everywhere. <laughs> I- I wasn't laughing at you, Nate. I was thinking of my own Pac-Man story and laughing at that. But yeah, I'll get well, that out in a sec. Yeah, you know, even now, I mean, what are we? We're 30 years downstream from that, right? Mm-hmm. And Weird Al can have a video in which the Pac-Man symbol is behind him in sparklers, and everybody gets it right away. <laughs> yep. You know, it's it's a moment where a video game 
transformed the culture and made its impact. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think it was the only time that Google came out with an interactive uh, thing on their little Google logo. They had a playable Pac-Man a little while ago when, on the 30-year yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And, of course, I, we all played it. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and some woman sued him last month because it was so addictive. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, it's true. Hey, it's let's true. not make fun of our readers. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I I kind of I wanted to bring up um sort of a similar story um about obsession when I first saw the Ghostbusters movie, the Ghostbusters 1, I was I was around Oh my god. Yeah, I was around that age. I was, you know, I was 12, 13 something and uh the it it really spoke to me. I don't know why, but my lifelong goal, I wanted to be a Ghostbuster. I mean, I wa- wanted to be a Ghostbuster so badly, I dreamed that they would come up with some technology that would actually allow us to capture ghosts and stuff. And that was, that was going to be my career track. Um, uh, when I got my first car in, uh, high school, it was a Chevy Citation, or Chevy Cavalier Station Wagon. And, uh, so I got Ecto-1 as the customized license plate <laughs> for the car. <laughs> I mean, I was heavy into Ghostbusters, right? And then... Because of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, so then Ghostbusters 2 came out and it kind of sucked, but anyway, um, I always kind of thought they should go back to it. And then when the Ghostbusters game came out, uh, like, uh, last year, uh, I just remember, um, loading it up and the, the game is awesome. The game is basically like Ghostbusters 3, the movie. They have all the regular characters and they treat you as the new Ghostbuster. So you're like the new guy that all the main characters make fun of and stuff and you get to do all the crap jobs and stuff. And I just, when I loaded that game up and I was like, wow, I am finally a Ghostbuster. I mean, I almost cried. I was so, it was like, it was accomplishing a life goal. I had become a Ghostbuster and it was so cool and I didn't even mind that Bill Murray was making me, you know, clean the toilets in the fire station and stuff it was like yes sir right away sir i'd love to do that sir <laughs> so that that was pretty fun but um it was neat uh i was actually just playing it last night and uh something nate said um you know the game is just so hilarious the dialogue and stuff and they have all the main characters from the movie and uh something happened where we were fighting trolls or something and and he basically um one of the characters says something like, oh, trolls and warriors. It's supposed to be like Dungeons and Dragons. And he's like, I remember I played that game when I was a kid. And then the Bill Murray character says, um, was there any dink game that you didn't play when you were growing up? <laughs> so, uh, it was pr- pretty funny. So um, so that's my, my second one. So let's swing it back around to Greg. Uh, oh, yes. Um, you still owe uh, us a Pac-Man story, too. I do owe you a Pac-Man story. It'll be really quick. Uh, essentially, uh, my sister used to go to the skate uh, rink down the down the street, and uh, she came back one night and 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 started describing me this video game. <laughs> With the, with the, she goes, you're this like yellow dot, and there's these ghosts, and you're in, you're eating these dots, and I didn't believe her. <laughs> she described it that it was a real video game. You thought she? We, we well, some, you know, sometimes, you know, she was the kind of person, you know, we, we, we would get silly and make crap up, you know, just, you know, for fun, and I thought she was, you know, she was trying to pull my leg, but, you know, <laughs> so I did not believe Pac-Man existed when I first heard about it. <laughs> when I saw it, though, it was yeah, awesome. But uh, so there, that it, it was probably not worth waiting that for that story. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. 
I'm not sure. One of the things I'm thinking about here, and John, this is where we lapse into sociology, so mark it at 12 minutes or something. It's really one of the first cases where the whole sort of Japanese, you know, what, otaku culture or whatever it is, mm-hmm. started smacking around American culture. Yep. Because the whole cutesiness was part of the appeal. And that's led us to, you know, Rama one half and, you know, all the other cat girl stuff and good God, we're all going to die or something. I I can only mute you for so long, Nate. So some of that might actually (laughs) make it into the show, just so you know. (laughs) So, all right. Well, Greg, we'll count that as that as your entry for this round. And we'll we'll go to James. I I can't beat that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if we go back to, you know, the moments that we look forward to in gaming, though, um, for, for me, it's, it's those things. I, I'm more of an, uh, rooter for the, for the underdog. And I think the gaming community is an underdog, you know, type of situ- situation. Uh, so stuff like Metal Gear Solid, uh, when, when those things come out and show that, you know, hey, Gaming's not just for kids anymore, you know. You know, that, you know, you're right about that. that. And and the Metal Gear, talking about being an underdog, I remember the very first E3 that the Metal Gear developer team showed up at, and they were they was in I think this was in Atlanta for God's sake. And Nate and I were down in what yeah, it was a third E3 or something. what was the yeah what was the small hall in Atlanta, which was you know which is tiny even compared to like uh, Petrie out in L.A. or whatever, um, or Kenti, I mean. And these developers, they had little, they didn't, they had one computer with like a demo of the game running, and then they were standing around with flyers that had pictures and screenshots and stuff, and just trying to get anybody to take their flyer. <laughs> like, hey, please, we made this game, and half of them didn't speak English, so they were just like, and I'm like, no thanks, I have a bag full of stuff, and they're like shoving it at me and stuff. So it was funny, and and you know, they it became a phenomenon. I I suspect they travel in a little bit better style these days. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's it's just that seems to be the way that it goes, though. You know, in this in this medium, especially small guys can really do some really wonderful things and get recognized for it. You know, with enough enthusiasm that. It, it makes it all worthwhile. You know? Yeah, enough enthusiasm. Maybe that's too cheesy. I don't know. No, I like that. I like that. enough enthusiasm, enough marketing, and enough luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, Nate. I know, I know, I'm tearing up. Now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nate, Nate. Well, if Todd Hargosh, he couldn't join us today, but he's a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, and he did not get to go with us to that E3. Um, so he he would be definitely jealous that I met the Metal Gear team when they were still nobodies. <laughs> so, well, we've. <laughs> We've got a long history here at Jen. I mean, heck, we did the first interview with the guys who put together Unreal all those years ago. Oh yeah, and they were trying to they were trying to describe to us in words how awesome it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, they were they weren't even talking about the game. They're just like, we've come up with this engine. Somebody cost a lot. Somebody license it from us. <laughs> and they were trying to describe like the colors and stuff that it could do. It's pretty funny. All right, Nate, what? Let, let, let me flash. Uh, and this is another similar, whoa, things have changed. Um, this, this goes back to college days. And uh, I was up in the mountains, Greg, you know. Um, and we were at, what was that uh, What was that arcade in Country Club Mall? Oh, the, the Dream Machine. The Dream Machine, yeah. Yes. And I, I and a couple of my friends, and Greg, you may have been there, I don't know, um, stumbled upon Gauntlet. Oh, oh, yeah. oh no, Gauntlet. <laughs> I was there on gauntlet days as we came to call it yeah and there were five of us 
Mm-hmm. And we ended up spending something like $60 in quarters. The one guy who didn't have any money was the runner. My wallet's in my back pocket. Take it out. Get some quarters. <laughs> 60 bucks. Played, yeah, we played for like an hour and a half or something just because this is the most awesome game there's ever been in the we history just... of awesomeness kept putting quarters in every time we died and we yeah we were there all freaking afternoon it i mean it and it's another one of those nothing's going to be the same after this because not only was it a cool game but you were playing with your cool friends mm. and it had a sense of humor about it the game talked back to you and yes. not like not like robotron's you know coin detected in pocket thing no it was like Jeez, you're an idiot, says the game. <laughs> Someone shot the food. Oh, yeah. Like, like he wasn't going to say who. <laughs> yeah, that, that was cool. Although, you know, Berserk's coin detected in pocket drew a lot of people in. <laughs> it did, yeah. and, and that was cool. But these are these are moments where you find out, yeah, no, I, I'm powerless over this addiction. I need a 12-step group. Well, on that note, I'll go into my next one, actually, because I actually have... I'm putting two together for this one, and because one is at the beginning of a game and one is at the end of a game, and they both were really stellar moments in my gaming history. And I'm talking about Oblivion and Morrowind, uh, two of the most awesome, open-ended, giant, non-linear role-playing games ever created. And the first, at the beginning, um, Oblivion, you go through the sewers, and it's kind of like a tutorial level. And then when you step out of the sewers, they did it really smart. You step out, you've been in this closed world the whole time, and you step up and out of the sewers, and you're beside a lake, and there's trees and mountains in the background, and you can see the capital city in the distance and stuff. And you're there, and you don't really have a goal, per se. And it's just like... Wow, I can go in any direction and do anything. And, I mean, it's just an awesome feeling to know that. And, you know, Oblivion, I don't think anybody didn't like it. I mean, it certainly lived up to its billing. But just the just the total freedom to be able to, to go anywhere and do anything is a pretty amazing Pretty amazing feeling, especially after stepping out of the Imperial sewers. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then for the end of that, the end of the game, I'm going to go with Morrowind because I played Morrowind forever. And when I finally finished it, and, and this was doing like every side quest in the game, and this was before the two expansion packs came out, I, I noticed that the save file was recording the number of hours that you played the game. So I finally solved the game. I'd beaten the bad guy at the at the end, and I'm like, wow, I wonder how long I played. And I looked, and I had played for a total of 850 hours. Oh. <laughs> so I did the math. That's like 34 real-time days. I devoted a month of my life to playing that game. So, so and don't don't you think you should reevaluate your priorities now? I, you know, I've not at all. <laughs> no, no. You know, I got to say, you know, part of me wants to say, you know, I could have been, I don't know, trying to cure cancer or something during that time. <laughs> but part of me's like, you know what? That was a really good experience. I'm I'm happy with it. So, all right, Greg, circling back to you. Trying to cure cancer. <laughs> oh, well, he tried. <laughs> I put 850 hours into that. (laughs) Um, Well, I I think it's time, Nate, that we brought up. um, Oh, my God. Yes. Some people have lost weekends. Uh, Nate and I and a bunch of other friends had a missed weekend. (laughs) Missed came out. It was awesome. And Nate and his his wife and, and a couple of other friends 
we loaded the game up on Nate's computer and we huddled around the monitor as it was being played. And, you know, Nate was usually in the driver's seat, but we, you know, it kind of took turns. And, and everybody's like, oh, go over there. You know, oh, oh, what if you click that over there? And, and we were all just enthralled with the game. And it eventually got to the point where we were all like part of the same gestalt brain, <laughs> um, kind of. You know, doing different functions of the thing. Did you hear that noise? Um, you know, or, or maybe we should try this kind of logic thing or, and, you know, Nate going, oh, I'm going over here, you know, and that sort of thing. And we, we, we really were honestly huddled over that thing for two days <laughs> while we were solving it. And I mean, and I'm not talking two days. It was two days straight almost. I don't know how many hours exactly, but it was, and, and we were just so amazed with the game. And no alcohol was involved at all. None. 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 That's the amazing part. <laughs> we were we were drunk on video gaming. <laughs> we were literally, literally, it was Greg and myself. Yes. My wife Eileen, our friend Sharon, our friends Sharon and Valerie. And right. shout out, shout out to both of them. How are you all, ladies? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and we just literally played this game endlessly. To solve it, and from we we booted it up just to say, hey, let's take a look at this. And you know, twelve hours later, we're like, we can finish this. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it. It can be done. <laughs> and we let's did order it. pizza. <laughs> did it? It was it was in our apartment, Eileen's in my apartment in Falls Church, Virginia. Exactly. We just, we just come back from grad school. It was a one bedroom with den, and the den was just this big extension off the living room. And that's where the computer was. So we just lived there. <laughs> you know, it was like something out of 12 Monkeys or something. <laughs> um, and, and back then, monitors weren't all that big. Uh, uh, this was like a, you know. Dude, it, know, it was a 12-inch monitor. monitor. And and we we were huddled around it so that we could all see it. It was, uh, we took, there were no photos that day, but I, I, I think we would have been uh, entertained by any photos that were taken because. You're lucky I didn't jump off the balcony. <laughs> that's, that's the good thing about, you know, games. I think if you get the right type of people involved with them, you can really make a, a scene of it, you know, mm-hmm. with the, with the Halo parties and, you know, the Gears of War tournaments and just all that stuff that goes on. It doesn't have to be just some, you know, somebody sitting in front of a TV. It could be a group None. of people sitting in front of the TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, um, you guys are mentioning Mist because Mist was not a multiplayer game, really, and, and yet no. so my ass. Yeah, well, so many people, <laughs> so many people made it a multiplayer game. I mean, it was the first really best-selling game that the industry had, and years and years later, it was still on the top ten bestseller chart. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's been encompassed well, now, but it was there for yeah. years and years. That's because it crossed over mm. to the non-gamer sorts because it was a straightforward, non-violent, puzzle-solving game with an immersive world. And heck, at the end when you solved it, there was a guy on the desk. You could sit here and bug him, and he'd say, "Give us time for the sequel." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, Riven was a pretty good sequel. It wasn't nearly as good as Mist. I think they went a little too hard on the difficulty scale with Riven. 
Yeah, well, it's not like the mist thing was particularly easy. <laughs> true, true. Um, all right. Uh, well, James, uh, I, you know, I was thinking when they were talking about that uh, and how they were playing a non-multiplayer game as a multiplayer game, I, I was thinking about how you told me you and your wife would play Fallout 3 <laughs> together. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely not a multiplayer game that you, that you were able to share. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just that aspect of exploring an, an entire world with, you know, somebody else, you know, and talking about go over here and go over there and check this out and, hey, shoot that guy. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I remember uh, in college, actually, you guys brought up Valerie Freeman. Um, uh, it, well, that was her name. At, Wagner, yeah, yeah, Wagner. Well, that was her name at the time of my story. Yes, and, exactly. And uh, I was interviewing her for film class about the, being a, uh, a dungeon master, and she was talking about role-playing. And she, w- I was asking her what made role-players stay together, uh, you know, keep together and have these ties. And she was saying, you know, because you're a role player, you go through a lot of things together with your party. And it's not real, but if it's a really good game, it's almost as if it is. And you have these shared experiences. Oh, I remember when we attacked that castle together and, you know, Morty got killed by a troll throwing rocks and stuff, you know. And you you have these weird shared experiences. And I think it's the same way with video games. I mean, obviously the mist thing was important to you guys. Yeah, unintentionally, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate, what, what about you? Do you want to bring anything else to the table? On the mist thing? Oh, I'm on a, no, no. We, I think we're done with the mist thing for now. Oh, yeah, we definitely <laughs> Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're big. There are several big moments that changed it. You know, the first time Wolfenstein 3D came in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, I got that from a friend of mine who was a network administrator at work. He just gave it to me, said it was from his son, and I just played it at work for a week. <laughs> Nobody dinged me on it at all. I'm lucky I wasn't fired. I was like 23. They could have fired <laughs> me without a second thought. <laughs> That's find me, was, find me another idiot, twenty-three-year-old. It was the first game that came out with a boss key. You hit the like F12 button or something, and a spreadsheet came up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, in terms of great games or great moments that make it happen, you know, everybody has these things. I mean, my dad and I were living on our own when I was pretty young, like eight or nine or something, and I had an Atari. What was it, twenty-six hundred? And he and I played that every night after dinner. We'd load up some games and we'd play some games against each other. It was awesome. When the arcade started opening up, he used to take me there and we'd play a couple of bucks worth most nights. Wow. You know, it was father son bonding. <laughs> this could be in an Everclear song. <laughs> <laughs> father of mine playing video <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, this, the games have been a part of my life since the uh, late you know, the late 70s when I started playing them. And I don't plan to turn around on that at any point. I have less time now. I have kids of my own. I have businesses to run. You know, that sort of thing. But uh, I still play. Well, that's good. Well, one, of, one of the things that makes my uh, Eileen and I, my wife, uh, and I are really into Dungeons & Dragons Online these days, so we get the kids to bed. That tends to be what we do. My younger brothers, the twins, are both gamers. Uh and they're like 24, 25 or something. And they are astonished that I managed to find and marry a girl who plays games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you find a girl who likes video games and role-playing that much, you marry her. Uh, oh, yeah. Great advice. Yeah, well, I remember Eileen used to play, um, oh, what was the game we used to play all the time, Nate? It was like 2D. Um, 
That wasn't er- Ultima. Online. Yeah, Ultima Online. Yeah. Yeah, she loved Ultima Online. She's loving D and D Online just as much. That's cool. Yeah, I think the um, I think the the role playing games kind of speak to a lot of people because you're you're becoming part of the character, and so those moments, you know, I was just looking at the list that I put together before the show, and a lot of these are are role playing games, and I think that's because, you know, you're you're playing the character, so when the character goes through something dramatic, if you identify with the character, then obviously you uh you 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 go through it as well, and then the the one story that I just wanted to add was uh, a game called Baldur's Gate, and uh, <laughs> you, did you play Baldur's Gate? Nate? Baldur's Gate was like a, the 2D role-playing game, and it. I played the I played the original EGA Baldur's Gate champ. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, uh, I just remember there was a romance quest in there, and you you got where you could talk to your different uh, party members, and um, they came down to two girls. One was named Ari, and one was named Jahara. And I was kind of flirting with both of them the whole time, and I took the game with me out to Vegas to a trade show. I think I was at a Comdex one year or CES or something. And this was uh, this was when I was I was working another job, and they were they put me up in a nice suite and everything, so it was cool. So I was I was kind of playing overlooking you know the strip there in in my suite, and uh, it came up to a point where. Uh, I actually had to make a choice between Ari or Jahara. I mean, you basically you got to the point where they both liked you enough where you had to pick one or the other, and it was pretty obvious that once you picked one, the other one would you know leave forever. <laughs> and it was very disconcerting to me. I remember I got there, I was playing, and it was in the morning, and I just put the game. You know, it was like make your decision, and I put the game on pause, and I went down to the show floor, and I worked all day, like eight hours on the show floor, and then I came up. And I ordered room service, and I was eating dinner, and the game was still sitting there paused, and I just, I just could not make a decision. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm like, God, I gotta do something. I got, you know, I gotta save this game so I can write up my news stories for the day. You know, I gotta make this in. So I, I just went over and I chose, uh, I chose Jahara, and Ari was surprisingly cool about it. But I always, <laughs> I always wanted to go back and play the game again, and if it didn't require, you know, a 200 plus hour commitment, I would have and. Pick Ari this time and see how how it worked out. So, John, you just referred to her as a person, you know, with her own motivations and feelings. Fifteen years later, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, James, you need to psychoanalyze me. <laughs> what that means? <laughs> I'm not going there. Sir. Yeah, I I gave up on that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, you guys know that the format of our show is always that I always ask a final question, and since we, I knew this would happen because this is a fun topic. Since we're way, way over our time limit, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and ask you guys a final question. So, um, you know, if if your life depended on it, and you were you were down to, you know, you had to answer this question because maybe it does. <laughs> you don't know, but um, what would be what would be the the one gaming moment that uh, you know if, if you had to forget all your other gaming moments, what would be the one that you would uh, that you would remember and want to remember and why? And uh, Greg, unfortunately, I'm putting you on the spot first. Um, it would have to be actually. Um, I would have to go back to the very very beginning when I was over at my uh, neighbor's house and my friend uh um showed me the Pong set he got for Christmas. <laughs> Very cool. Good. And we played Pong <laughs> in all its variations. Uh, and we, it was 
It was awesome. Yeah, just the just is oh, I'm moving this controller and it's moving on my screen. It- <laughs> yes, and and it's you know things are happening because I'm interacting with it. it. It's just yeah, and that that pretty much stems off into everything else that you know I've ever done. You know, computer game wise, it's you know it's it's the the same basic kind of feeling. I'm doing something on the computer. You know, I'm making the computer do something because I'm interacting with it. Yeah, very good. Good answer. All right, James, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your answer because you and I didn't grow up together. Um, so so <laughs> this is kind of like this will be a real insight for me into how you think. So so same question for you. What, what would you want to remember over all the other gaming moments you've had? Um, I don't know. I think uh, I would probably have to go with the first game that I ever played or that, that I played that it's stuck in my head and I'll, I'll always go back to Rygar or Rygar. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why, but I played that game and it was over from there. <laughs> Very good. All right, Nate, what about you? There are a couple of options. I mean, I could think I could toss out the first time Continental Airlines at 35,000 feet in the 70s had that lounge and you could play that little volleyball game. Oh, really? On the, the, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the air as a kid. But that's not even it. I was thinking, geez, how am I supposed to boil this down to one? Well, you know, Greg and James and you are rambling on pointless. <laughs> um, what? It's good to know you respect us. <laughs> um, and I was thinking the first time I got truly scared and sort of, you know, shaky. Oh, good answer. Good answer. What, what was it? The Cyber Demon in Doom 2 at the end of the second set of things. Oh. Just that, I mean, that's, that, that literally <laughs> took me like three and a half weeks to defeat. And that sound he made when he was walking, shoom, pop, shoom, pop. I mean, it sounds like the opening to Closer by Nine Inch Nails now. Um, <laughs> but literally, I was hearing that in my sleep. And it was, you know, cold sweat and... I worked. I mean, that's all oh, I yeah. did that whole time. I'm lucky I'm still married after. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. But to this to this day, I mean, I have you know, I have a Sam of Doom too. I could load it up and play. It's not like it's going to demand much on modern computers, but I just won't. <laughs> I've done Doom. I've done Wolfenstein. All the old ones. The stuff I have to clock down so it doesn't so it can still run. But I won't do that. Cyber Demon. I just plain. <laughs> So, you know, all these years... Cyber Demon comes and attacks L.A. and starts marching on my town, and I sound to go, well, I'm done. (laughs) You know, Nate, it's interesting. Years later, you're referring to Cyber Demon as if it's a real person with real motivation. (laughs) (laughs) How does that make you feel? (laughs) Let's analyze that. Scared all in alone. (laughs) Well, awesome answer, Nate, actually. I I didn't think about that, but there have been a lot of moments that have scared me. Uh, There was a game, the first... uh, 3D horror game that I played was called Realms of the Haunting, and I love that game, and I was pretty much scared the entire time I was playing it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, that not only can they inspire us, they can also, uh, make us wet ourselves <laughs> with fear. <laughs> so, okay. That Cyber, Demon, that Cyber Demon had me going for a long time. Yeah, he was pretty gross. <laughs> well, it was, it was the single hardest thing in any of the Doom games. Easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, and it came in the middle. It wasn't like a boss thing at the ultimate end or anything. You know, it yeah. was the second. It was the second boss in the middle set or something. That's probably what made it even scarier. You weren't expecting it. 
So, and then I blow through the rest of the entire game in like 20 minutes or something <laughs> after three and a half weeks of trying to kill this one guy. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of like Hitler with uh, on uh, um, Wolfenstein when he came around the corner the first time. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> it's Hitler with machine guns. <laughs> So, shoulder mounted Gatling guns. Yeah, exactly. It was tough. All right, well, um, this was a great show, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I had a ton of fun. Um, we didn't solve any problems or anything, but that's okay. It was just a good show. Um, I can see us doing this show, um, again sometime, or maybe I could get, you know, new guests and, and hear their experiences and stuff. But you guys are, were really great, so I appreciate it. Um, all our listeners out there, we want you to participate as well. Send us an email at ginlounge at gameindustry.com. We will definitely include your thoughts in the next show. I'm sure there's a million moments that we didn't get to talk about, so let us know. And uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, being in the lounge with me this week. Sure thing. And uh, we will see you all next time. Uh, Until then, let's hope that uh, everybody racks up at least one or two gaming moments every week. Or who knows? Let's let's shoot for the moon every day. (laughs) Should should have a gaming moment, if only. All right, take it easy, everybody. 